Do you know what nemesis means? Hello and welcome to Direct the Podcast. It takes a direct trajectory through a director's filmography. I'm Eric. I'm Newt. <laughs> Thanks. That's an that's an aliens reference. I'm gonna start those early and they're gonna come often. Perfect. Uh Alien Three is the movie we watched this week. Levi, give us a synopsis of Alien Three. Lieutenant Ripley, which she's actually a warrant officer, let's get that right off the bat. Uh, crash lands onto Fury 161. Uh, we immediately remove all the other characters from the previous Aliens movie and find that this prison planet is on the edge. As the alien has escaped the previous ship, I'm trying to think how to describe this out. <laughs> we think that it's a newt, not a newt. We think it's in Hicks, not in Hicks. Turns out it's in Sigourney Weaver. The but it also escaped and was in a dog. But yeah, there's also one in a dog. It's How the same it, one. It's a royal face hugger, man. But there's it's not, a royal face hugger. It's not a multiple, ro- Im- yeah, <laughs> multiple implantations. So it's not a single shot face hugger. There's a new. The dog alien is a new type of alien that Ripley mm-hmm. hasn't seen before, and it proceeds to cut up the prison people until they put it in a lead works and burn it alive and then explode it with water and then Ripley <laughs> kills the queen that's in her own chest by throwing herself in thus robbing the corporation of another alien yeah it's a little bit convoluted a little it bit straightforward which is kind well, of a weird balance well I mean the movie we'll get to it man but the movie did not have a lot happening in it but we'll get to that in a second. I think before we do, need to do before we do that, I need to clear the air here. <laughs> I have a confession to make, and I confess this to you this week when we're playing a board game. Yep, I've never seen Aliens, which is so weird. It's weird that I'm your friend and I've never seen Aliens. Have you seen? You've seen Starship Troopers, right? Of course. And you enjoyed Starship Troopers, right? Yeah. You should really see Aliens. Aliens is ten times better. <laughs> I've seen Alien. Which I haven't seen I would Aliens. hope so as a as a movie aficionado. Alien is the art house of the film series. But Aliens is James Cameron's best war movie. Best war movie, huh? Yeah, for sure. Better than ter- better than Terminator 2. Oh, definitely. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Aliens is better so good. than True Lies. Yeah, for sure. No fucking way. True Lies is amazing. Nope. I'm gonna okay, take. We need True to... Lies is James Cameron's best movie. So before we watch Seven this week, I think we need to do some some retro action. <laughs> go back, watch Aliens, and then we can Dude, move forward with our lives. I would actually love to do a Aliens Terminator Two True Lies trilogy. That would be, a be really good. That would be really fun. Might have to save that for bypacks. Anyway, I do need to clear the air. And I told you that this week, and so I was like, well, I should probably pre-watch Aliens. So I have context for Alien 3, but you told me no. You said you shouldn't watch Aliens, so you have no context for Alien 3, so you can go into it with a fresh mind, and you won't get all mad that the people died at the beginning and all of that stuff. So I took your advice. I did not watch Aliens, and I watched Alien 3. And it was pretty dreary. Oh yeah, it's dreary. It's a dreary movie. It's a dreary movie, but 
I I enjoyed. I came to the re- realization in this viewing, and I've Alien Three when I was younger was my least favorite Alien film, and it has advanced into what is essentially the order in which the movies are made. Where I think mm-hmm. one's the best, two is great, especially when you're young, because it's just a hoorah space marine movie. Uh huh. And now three, I f- I see past the flaws, and I really like some of the intricacies of it and mm-hmm. then four is just a it's it's good but it's not it does not push the envelope i feel like the way that the first three kind of do and i really the reason i kind of primed you by saying don't watch aliens is that the alien franchise to me works really well as an anthology because t- a lot of time passes between each movie and generally it's just the only thing to continue in each movie is an is the aliens, the xenomorphs, mm-hmm. and Ripley. They continue yeah. on into each movie, and it's a whole new cast around them. And I like that mechanism. I don't as much as I liked Hicks and Newt in the in Aliens, the second one. Uh-huh. I think that by removing them, we don't have to deal with any previous emotional baggage, and we get to just focus on. The fact that Ripley is haunted by these things. She can't escape them to the point where, I mean, she she dies. And then in the fourth one, it's like they bring her back. And so she still can't get away from these. Is she like cloned or something? Yeah, they clone her. And Uh of course, and because it's sci-fi and I don't think that, uh, was it Luke? I don't think it was Luc Besson. It was the other French guy. Jean-Pierre Janu. Yeah, I don't think Janu really cared. So he just said, yeah, sure. You know, when they cloned her, they cloned the alien that was within her. Are you? So they retconned the other one immediately as well? Yes. (laughs) But the best line from that movie is is Ron Perlman, actually. He was like, so you've fought these things before, right? And Ripley goes, yeah. And he goes, what did you do? And she goes, I died. Not really, though. <laughs> she never died because of the alien. I mean, she didn't die because of the alien inside her, but it was a... I don't know. She didn't die, like, going down with the ship. I don't know. It was, we. Can, I want to get into this, man. I want to get into this movie. because, And I want to do it in a very fair way here, too, because this is obviously a trial by fire for David Fincher. There's plenty of literature on what a shit show the production was for this thing. And he had the studio breathing down his neck the whole time. Uh, first time director, you know, the studio didn't really trust him. It, and I see so many correlations between this movie and Mimic, uh, Guillermo del Toro's first big, uh, you know, studio movie. Uh, very similarly, it's just studio breathing down the neck of these. But I, I just found this movie so dreary and dreadful with no hope at all during the entire movie it was it became a little bit of a slog for me and i know that uh, some people don't share my opinion on that i've read the forums and we'll get to the forum posts in a second um but i i just never really got to the point where i was sinking my teeth into the characters and the story on this thing because there was just no hope there's zero hope in this entire film yeah they really play up i you know, we can start with this because I think the setting is really weird and that might be one of the things that I really jive on now with the movie hmm. is that this it's a prison world but they're custodians and yeah. You know, time passes between each of the movies 
the there's so much time that Ripley's in cryo sleep and you don't really know how long it is. And so I like this weird future. This is the most absurdest of the futures that we get in any of the movies. Uh-huh. And I I get the dreariness and the fact that these are all rapists and murderers there and we shouldn't really like them, but there there's something to it. There was something that was close, I think, that had they had more time with the script. Um, I know there's a whole deleted scene about one of the prisoners, they catch it and then he lets it out because of, yeah, you know, a weird religion that kind of crops up around the alien to them. Um, it's unique and it just wasn't explored. And that's kind of a bummer to me, but I'm, I don't know. I don't need much of the environment to get me kind of like, Oh, this is weird. <laughs> and the way that well, they, they depict the environment is really solid. I mean, between the essentially the red of the basement where there's the furnaces and the heat and everybody's sweating, everything's dripping and the kind of white, uh, sterile nature of the cafeteria and the, that place where they kind of meet the, this big sort of cylindrical room and the, the doctor's lab, the, the contrast between those spaces fits the setting and the geography of where things are is really convoluted and i agree Super convoluted. It, it gets it gets I, I had no idea where where, where anybody was yeah. like especially in the scene where they're, they're they're having the alien chase them through the tunnels i was like wait what's going on like they get the alien in one place and they close the doors and i, I understand they're kind of funneling it into a place but i had no bearing on the geography so I think this kind of illustrates the point of the movie is that uh, I had no idea what they were doing. So I didn't know when they won. I didn't know when they lost. They were just doing things. And I feel like that was what was happening during most of the movie. It's just people doing things and going up against this insurmountable enemy. And the, the kind of the sad thing about it is they didn't play up the suspense at all. It was basically just a bunch of people trapped in a zoo cage with a lion waiting to die. There was no suspense or anything uh, tied to that. But you're right. It did. I mean, it looked like an alien movie. You know, the Wyland, you know, corporation hats and everything, and the look and the feel. The world was very in, ingrained in that whole alien franchise, and I really appreciated what they did from a set design perspective. But, uh, but I was lost, man. I was really lost a lot because I was like, what? How are we going to win? I'm not really sure how we're going to win. Um, and I don't know when we've won. I don't know when we've won or when we've lost. So it was really hard for me to like get a grip and understand the characters and and care about them because they were all just going to die. They were just get, there was just a bunch of people getting flushed down the toilet. We can talk about that cast though for Oh, it's a great as cast. As much as we did there are so many people that have went on to do some stellar work. Uh, I gotta pull up the. I'm looking at Fincher's page, not the cast page. Well, so I mean, I the cast itself. The cast is. It's a great cast, and he cast a lot of great uh, British actors. And I do think it's interesting. Charles S. Dutton, who played Dylan in this. Dylan is one of the only characters in the movie that I actually liked. Uh, I thought he was. He was the most interesting, and he's kind of the leader of everybody. Everybody listens to and respects him. Um, so I thought he was really, really cool. But the funny thing is he plays the cop in Mimic, 
which is another thing that I was like, this is so much like Mimic, it's crazy. Wow, I did not. So he got to be in, essentially, Aliens and Alien 3. You're right. Because Mimic was just like, <laughs> that's right, you don't have yeah. to go see Aliens, you saw Mimic. Yeah. You saw the highlights of Aliens. Yeah, Mimic is so much like Aliens and you know, he's in both of the movies, which I thought was really cool. He also sacrifices himself in both in of the both movies. movies. Uh, he, yeah, it's, he basically plays the same character in each of the films, which I thought was so interesting. There's a lot of other correlations, too. I mean, uh, you have, like, I was like, religious symbolism right off the bat. Like, these guys have their own, like, kind of twisted view of Christianity, and they've created, like, this little cult monastic tradition around it. Uh... And they live in this place, and there's like a dead child, like right off the bat. I was like, "Is this a Guillermo del Toro movie?" Because it was like, you got like the 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 autopsy scene with the with the child and and the drowned child and the religious symbolism. I was like, "This is so much." Like it, you know. I think I talked about it. I think I said, "Wouldn't it be interesting if Guillermo del Toro made an alien movie?" I'm like, I think he did. I think it was Alien Three. <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of heavy rain outside. Lo- yeah, yeah, stormy, a lot of heavy rain, stormy weather. It was very, very much a Guillermo del Toro esque type movie. I mean, I don't just want to shit on this movie. Let's talk about some of the things that we liked. If you want to talk uh, about, about this film. tension, and I know this is jumping around a little bit, but yeah. the moment where they are trying to burn the the monster out and they're laying all of the flammable liquid yeah and this is and here's the, the larger thing that i think fincher shows and that makes it through alien 3 despite all of the people that kind of screwed with him for the movie there was so much show don't tell with mm-hmm. the box of the flares all yep. we know is that there is the the box that says don't jostle and then we see them take a stick out and it doesn't look like a typical flare but when the guy drops it and it hangs just balanced on the stair (laughs) below him and then you Uh see him reach down for it which is already like oh goodness and then you see the shadow of the monster kind of loom over him as he like gets his fingers on it and then that drop into what now would probably be used for like the trailer they would put it with a dubstep drop that flare (laughs) striking the ground because it slows down just that to me was one of the coolest scenes in the movie and while there is a lack of tension everywhere else that simple scene and the setup of it was i don't it's one of those i take note because we are trying to watch these with a critical eye like wow they really they all the mechanisms were there to set up the shot and then they executed it just beautifully yeah i mean the issue with me with that is that you saw the xenomorph before he drops the thing like if you look he's the xenomorph pops in above him like right as he drops the thing so you know that the you know he's gonna get eaten like, the problem is these guys had no recourse, so the xenomorph is basically insta-death. So as soon as you see him, it's like, oh, here's another guy who's going to die. Um, so that's why if they would have waited, I think, cause, and not shown the xenomorph before he drops the stick, then I feel like that would have had more tension. But that's actually one of the scenes, in, to me, that really, like, is like, why isn't there any suspense in this movie? The only thing they did was, like, two, f- like, false jump scares... 
they do a false jump scare right off the bat when like the oxygen thing falls out of the the uh, escape pod and then they have a false jump scare a little bit later and it's like if you're gonna do false jump scares you got to pay it off with actual jump scares later on <laughs> uh i don't know it's it's tough because you know fincher has basically abandoned this movie he didn't do a director's cut for it for the anthology and that's why you can watch what's called the assembly cut uh which is 30 minutes longer and I opted not to watch that one because it's not an actual director's cut. It wasn't done by Fincher. He kind of left that to somebody else. He actually left it to the guy who did the documentaries for the anthology series. Um, and so you don't really know. Like, was Fincher in the editing room? Did he get kicked out of the editing room? I don't know. Uh, so it's a little hard to grade this movie. But I think the thing that uh, the thing that sticks out is what somebody on the forum said. Uh, this came from... Uh, Garth Goo 81 who said, uh, so if you're watching Shark Tank and listening to the startup podcast have taught me anything, it's that people's first efforts at something are rarely slam dunk successes. It almost seems like people need to get a slap of reality to really perfect their craft. And that's how I see alien three Fincher didn't have, if Fincher didn't have this initial flop of a flick, we may have seen someone who is competent with their filmmaking, uh, or who's complacent with their filmmaking as opposed to the director who is absolutely astounding catalog of movies at this point. So I, I do think it's a, probably a good thing that he got into the studio system. He learned how to navigate the studio system um, and came back with a great catalog after this movie. But I, it's hard for me to judge this movie for Fincher because I don't know how much of the, what we see on the screen is actually him. That's the tough part. Yeah, the I watched part of a BAFTA interview with him and it was mm-hmm. one, it was really fun to watch him shit on his own movie because the, <laughs> the interviewer is trying to be at whether or not he's actually believes this, but he was complimenting Fincher on the movie and Fincher just blew him off just straight up and kind of like looked away. <laughs> like, I don't want to have this conversation uh, right before getting into talking about the film. But he said the problem was that they told him, Use people who have been in the industry for a really long time, you know, listen to them, follow their advice. And in reality, what happened was he was 28, which is a real bummer for those of us above the age and not having made (laughs) a major motion film uh, or anything equivalent of it. But uh, he said that every those people that they recommended that had a ton of experience resented him for his age, didn't give him good advice. Mm-hmm. were not willing to experiment. And with the studio kind of hovering over him, he just could not be himself. And it's the same problem that mimic yeah. had where they just force your hand. And now we go back and watch it. And I think that, and maybe that's what makes this and mimic had its moments too, where, as far as bad movies goes, these are not the worst movies by far that get made. There's hmm. a bad Transformers <laughs> every year that are probably worse than this and mimic in some ways. But, you know, when you look, when you do what we're doing where we're seeing the whole lineup together, yeah, it's a it's a total bummer to see them kind of... It's a rough start, and that's... that I, I like Garth's uh, point that 
you've got everybody has a rough start. You're you're he's yeah. 28. He's working in the environment of HR Geiger who's a crazy person if you've ever looked at mm-hmm. his art outside of the things he's done for aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, it's a it's a huge first bite to take. Yeah. Well, it is. Like, this is what he said about the film. I, I, there's a um there's a big interview with him that got published in a British film magazine about this. Like it was like a 60 minute interview where he just like basically vented about the whole thing. And what he says is that the lesson to be learned is that you really can't take on an enterprise of this size and scope. If you don't really have a movie like the Terminator or Jaws behind you, when Steven Spielberg comes in and says, I made Jaws, the biggest grossing film of all time. And I want $18 million to do close encounters, which is probably the equivalent to what we spent. It's very nice to be able to say, this guy who directed the biggest grossing film of all time, sit down, shut up, and feel lucky that you've got him. So I think it echoes exactly what you were talking about, where he got on the set and nobody respected him. He was basically this fill-in director, and I think he was like the third or fourth director that was was, uh, considered for it or even attached to it. So... For me, it's kind of like, why did they make this movie? It seemed like it had so many fits and starts that maybe they should have tabled it for a couple of years until somebody came along, or maybe maybe Ridley Scott could come back and and film the third one. Um, Here, I think he also he also only had five weeks of pre production on this thing before he before he got into it, and that included a rewrite that he did. So it's it's a rough it's a rough gig for him. You know, for all the trouble we give him over his first movie, Ridley Scott. Went and made Prometheus, and I, my uh-huh. guess is the sensation people got going to see this film after Aliens, is a hell of a lot like what I felt when I went to see Prometheus. Hmm. And that's Ridley Scott. He yeah. he might have started rough, but he has gotten rough. <laughs> he is not. Well, I'm. The I same think that Prometheus has is. become some kind of like uh, this universal geek hate movie. That you can't. That it's it's. I feel like it's just one of these movies that is that has come out and gets shit on over and over and over again to the point where people it just becomes this kind of ubiquitous thing. Like like Transformers. Like the original Transformers movie is a pretty fun movie. The sequels way too long. You don't need to have two another three hour Transformers movie every three years. But I I mean I am a Prometheus apologist. Like somebody on the forum said that this movie is better than Prometheus. Yeah, that was Doctor like, Nick, and that was what made me think about that. I cannot agree with that. Although I know I'm in the minority here, uh, I'm not trying to universally here. say that Prometheus is a great movie. But for me, Prometheus was way better than this movie. I was really entertained by Prometheus. Uh, because it, I mean, I don't want to get into my Prometheus <laughs> thing. I think it's too late. We're halfway there. Well, because Prometheus is Mountains of Madness. Like, the thing about Prometheus that's so interesting to me is that these guys go to this planet, a planet that basically created life on Earth. This is, like, one of the stations that was used to create life on Earth uh, with this, like, cosmic soup. They encounter the cosmic soup, and all of a sudden, all of their greatest strengths become their greatest weaknesses. The navigator gets lost. The animal guy confronts or tries to kiss a... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a, a, a space snake when he doesn't even know what it's what it's supposed mm-hmm. to do. The pilot crashes in to uh, crashes into the planet. Like basically, it turns all of these people's greatest strengths into their greatest weaknesses. And I really like the characters in that movie: Idris Elba, uh, Charlize Theron. Great performances and really interesting. Uh, for this movie, for Alien Three, I'm like, 
I don't care about any of these characters. Like, I kind of care about Dylan a little bit. Uh, he was interesting. I kind of cared about 85 a little bit because everybody made fun of him. <laughs> but everybody else was like, you're all expendable. You're all going to die. There's really no reason to get invested in any of you. And you're all have shaved. You're all white guys with shaved heads. Honestly, I can't tell you apart. So that was my feelings. About you couldn't, you couldn't tell Pete. Is it Pete What's Postlewaite? You can tell him apart. Dude, I always recognize him. Which one? Pete Postlewaite? Yeah. He I, he died a couple years ago. He's in a, a billion movies, and as uh-huh. a kid, he was one of the people I always like. oh, that guy. That guy. Oh, yeah, no, that guy. Yeah, he played the... Um, the uh, he was in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. That's what I originally remembered him from. He played like the the friar mm-hmm. who gives Romeo the poison. He's in that. Yeah, he's he. I could recognize him because he's got a very recognizable face. But all these other white British guys, I'm like, <laughs> you shave their heads, and they're just they're just cue balls with eyebrows. I I don't care about any of them. Uh, I did think it was kind of interesting that the guy who made a pact with God that he wouldn't die was is the only guy who made it out alive. <laughs> But I also feel like the Wyland Corporation would have capped his ass. Yeah, I don't know why they kept... Maybe he had an alien in him, too. <laughs> you know? They, would they just were do leaving that... Op- they just wanted to leave that door open for the next one. Yeah, like, I, there's no reason to keep him around if you're the Wyland Corporation. I think it's pronounced you... Waylon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but I okay. Let me talk about something that I liked about this movie, and because I know that you talked about something you you liked, and then I shit all over it, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right. You like but, Prometheus, and we're gonna find a time to come back around so I can shit on that one. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Prometheus is an exponentially better movie than this, though, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, and in my opinion, it's a very important thing for people to say before they give their opinion, uh, so it's not taken as fact. But one of the things I liked about this movie, one of the only things I liked about this movie was the scene where they turn on the robot to scan the um, audio uh, from the crashed ship so that, uh, so that, oh gosh, Ripley, it's really tough for me because I say Ridley Scott and then Ripley, which is literally just Ridley Scott with the D turned upside down. <laughs> uh, and then Ripley, when Ripley goes, retrieves a thing and plugs in the old alien and like comes to life, or plugs in the old Android and it comes to life. I thought that scene was really cool. That was actually my favorite scene in the entire movie. Um, because it shows that, and it kind of sets up Bishop later in the movie when they bring in the other Bishop Android. Um, but it kind of shows that, you know, that kind of relationship between the androids. I feel like the androids are always really interesting part of the alien franchise. Uh, and that scene to me was really strong um, because we actually got to see a character interaction and two characters that cared about each other, which, <laughs> you know, in this movie, like the doctor and Ripley kind of care about each other, but immediately like when they have this like really great bonding moment, nope, he gets eaten by the alien. That's all over. It, the, it's the the mechanic of the so just to latch onto this for a second. A uh-huh. lot of people should die from the alien. In fact, I'm a firm believer right. that the only one should, that should ever really escape alive is Ripley and maybe one or two other people if she's lucky. The, the okay. thing is designed as the the most lethal creature in the universe, and so to me, the the death of characters in the movie 
And it's unfortunate that the one you care about probably the most outside of Ripley is the doctor and he dies, you know, partway through the film. I um, didn't really care that much about him. I thought that they stretched that thing out way too long. Well, they, there were three scenes where he was like, I'm not going to tell you why I, I have a barcode <laughs> on the back of my head. And then they tell you and you're like, they're like, why did, why did they send you to a maximum security prison for accidentally killing people with an overdose? You think they would send him to a minimum security prison because he's a doctor and it was an accident? This is a very rough universe that we're in. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I do. This was it's a only good... a seven year sentence. So, though. do you understand the relationship with Bishop? You you were able to pull all that. So that's one of the good things that yes. you did not see aliens because Bishop is right. an important character from Aliens. Uh, after the first movie, obviously Ripley has a real problem with androids, and he basically wins mm-hmm. her back over. Yeah, during that film by be, by sacrificing himself, so he was in pieces to begin with, and when the ship crashed, that just really put an end to him. Great, <laughs> great uh, uh, makeup, though, in her putting the things in his ear, and he's all a mess. Well, I think that that was an animatronic. Head. Whatever it was, I it was think- cool. I liked I it. Think that, I don't think it was actually makeup on a guy, because it was pretty robotic. It was better than the, the CG alien. Oh, God. The CG alien looks like... It looks like a... Looks like... <laughs> looks like a glitching out... Like, I don't understand the scattering thing. It was like, it was like shuffling around. <laughs> I don't know. And the thing about it is that the when they use the prosthetics and they use the, anim, the animatronics and all that for the close-ups, it looks so cool. Like, like they couldn't figure out a way because and and the alien and aliens look uh, they all of the other prior aliens all look really cool the guy in the suit works really well for that character i don't really know why they needed to use cgi it probably this is one where you see the i think the studio come through and force probably mm-hmm. force it a little bit this is the era where yeah it's right after Jurassic this is Park. terminator 2 was being made at the same time big special mm-hmm. effects move with the the metal the liquid metal right. terminator so mm-hmm. i'm sure every studio wanted to be to to grasp this moment where they could say look at our super sweet graphics and maybe at the time it yeah. looked it was really impressive because oh it was done with computers but those things age so poorly oh man <laughs> they do and the, and the, that was the bummer of it is that the close ups on the actual prosthesis looked amazing like they i don't know and then it seemed really weird to me like that they kept going back to the alien pov shot when they were going through the tunnels and they were having the alien chase it they were trying to get it into the lead you know uh the lead mold smelter yeah like they kept going back like i can understand like using that once that POV shot of the alien on the track running through and chasing the guys, but they used it for every single chase. And all that told me was, Oh, they couldn't figure out a way to make the CGI look good running down the tunnel. So they just kept going back to the alien POV over and over and over again. So you never actually saw the alien, but at the same time, uh, it was like, like I said, it wasn't suspenseful. I was like, I don't know. One of these guys is probably going to get caught. They don't have any way to defend themselves. They're all going to die. That's that, that's what's happening. And uh, that's what happened. No rubbers, no women, no guns. Yeah. I mean, it would have been great if they had like maybe a scene where they make weapons. Like, that could have been kind of cool. 
or anything, but like these people were really calm. Like this thing is popping out of the ceiling and grabbing people mid sentence, and they're all just like chilling. Like it could pop out at any time. Like why didn't they all go inside the atomic thing and chill in there and come up with a plan so that they know it won't pop out and kill them? Um, That's a really good question. There, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be the type of person who's like, well, you should have done this and you should have done that, and then the movie would have been good. But it's like. I just feel like there's a lot of misses. And that's the thing about this is that I can't blame it all on Fincher because I'm sure that there was just way too many cooks in this kitchen. Uh, and this is what you get when, when that happens. Um, the other thing that I, the other thing that came back is that, and I feel like this is really relevant to today's movies is that the sequelitis thing of me not watching aliens I think that they were really banking on all of the viewers of this movie creating all their emotional connections to these character to Ripley and to the to the characters like uh like Bishop before the movie came out. And so they didn't establish anything especially with Ripley that made you like really root for her. You had to carry over the emotional stuff that you had from the first two films. I understand it's a sequel and I understand you know I get a little uh, bothered when people are like, well, I shouldn't have to watch the sequels to understand what's going on. I, I agree with that. The movie should stand alone by itself. Um, but but I, they just didn't really do anything at the beginning to make you really like root for Ripley. Because uh, she just like kind of came in and she was really mysterious. She wasn't giving any information to anybody. Uh, the whole plot of her, it, the first hour of the movie, she won't tell anybody about the alien which was a really strange plot device to me. It's like, why won't you just tell them that there's an alien in the place, then you guys could start moving the story forward. There are like three scenes where they're like, what do you think's on the ship? She's like, I'm not going to tell you. And I was like, why aren't you telling them? I didn't really understand that motivation from her. She doesn't want to be called out as crazy. That happened at the start of two. She get. I mm-hmm. think you're right. And that's probably where I am very forgiving with this movie is because I have, and I've watched so many times this whole series, uh, uh-huh. a really, you know, all of the timeline of Ripley, I, you are correct. There is no setup to root for Ripley, which would have been fine if they had built mm-hmm. up the convicts. You know, if they had, if right. they had found religion to the point where you, as a viewer, can forgive them, which is totally something that is possible, um, right. When you have more than five weeks to write a script, uh-huh. uh huh. Then it's fine because then she's the mysterious one, but you're rooting for the inmates, and then she's the outsider. But they expect you to yeah. come in. She's the insider because she's the star of the movie. Although even yep. that was kind of up for grabs, I guess. That's why one of the reasons mm-hmm. there were so many scripts was they weren't sure they were going to get her, so they were lining up to get. I think it's. I think his name is also Sean Bean, the guy that played Hicks. <laughs> but it's a different Sean but Bean? But it's not the same Sean Bean. Uh, okay. Don't quote me on that. But him and the little girl Newt, uh, I believe, were the focus of one of the scripts. And then there was one where it was like Hicks and yeah. Bishop were going to be kind of the focus. So. His name's Michael B- Bein? B-I-E-H-N. Michael Bean. Michael Bean. Michael Bean. Uh, He's Mr. Bean. Well, he died like Sean Bean. Yeah, exactly. He's Sean Bean at heart in this movie. <laughs> he Sean Bean's at 
kind of hard in Terminator also. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what else he's in now. <laughs> this is a total segue, but I love when you find these things where it's like, that actor dies every time. A lot. All the time. Well, I think that uh, the guy who played Dylan in this movie, Charles S. Dutton, he's he's in that boat as well, I think. <laughs> but he's going to go down fighting, man. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Dylan was the only guy that I really liked. Uh, and I don't know. There was like, uh, yeah, the, Dylan was like the guy, and I liked 85 because everybody was picking on him. I was kind of rooting for him. He had, like, motivation. He was gonna go back on the next ship he was like he's ready to transfer out like he had some hope and that's the thing like nobody in this movie had any hope like what are you what are you rooting for them for them that they don't get killed and then they just have to live out their life sentences on this rock in the middle of nowhere that everybody's forgotten like there was just no hope in this movie there was nothing to latch on to which made it a made it a dreary experience um, I do think I, I read through some of the um, some of the other uh, possible things for for Alien Three, and there are some really interesting ones. Like one of them was going to be set on this wooden satellite that was like full of monks, and they built like this spaceship out of wood because they want to do everything like the hard way. <laughs> that seemed like a really cool thing. You could read the script for that online. Uh, there was a version of this where they came to Earth, where the aliens came to Earth, which would have been interesting because we didn't get to see that until AVP, baby. <laughs> they right? get really, where, they was... get really close in the fourth Aliens movie. Oh, okay, they crash a ship full of. I feel in the books because there was definitely books, and I remember reading one as a kid. Mm-hmm. At some point, the aliens do get to Earth. Yeah, well, it doesn't seem like they'd be that much of a threat on earth like the thing that makes alien interesting is like it's this unstoppable evil force inside like the vents of a spaceship there's no escape and no one can hear you scream that's you know (laughs) once they get to earth it's like oh let's just put the military on them i don't know Yeah, but go back and watch aliens and see how well they do there (laughs) (laughs) um i mean the problem with the xenomorphs is that they don't make any space they don't have any spaceships right they don't have a spaceship in Aliens, do they? No, but they're, they... They're not like but they can they can survive in space. Per ah. alien. Well, there you go. They're like those little bugbear things. What? Those little bear bugs. What? You know the little bear bugs? No, what are you talking about? From Star Trek? Uh, they're, no, they're real things. The water bear. That's not a... It's a bug. That could it's survive a, in space? Yeah, it's a little micro animal that can survive in outer space. You need to you need to read up on the water bear, dude. Right. The water bear is like one of the We've coolest. Got Twenty minutes left. Let's turn ever. this into a, a water bear of personal arrogance. Well, just talk about water. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. They're they're like I think bug. we actually like, did when have, you say bug, you mean like parasite. Like I think we small. actually did have a full segment about water bears on personal <laughs> arrogance. I'm actually fairly certain about it. Okay, I want to get back to this movie. Um... I need you to talk me off the edge here, dude. And I'm not going to shit on what you say is good about this movie. I promise. <laughs> and I'm sorry that I did it the first time. Uh, so just please tell me what is good about this movie. And please tell me why it's better than Alien 4. Because I'll tell you what, that does not make me want to see Alien 4. <laughs> you know, you, you're talking me onto the ledge. We're going to have to like meet halfway. Because okay. uh, now okay. I'm coming back around. on Alien 4 is yep. a... 
I believe the script or one of the early versions iterations of it was like Joss Whedon. Um, and it's mm-hmm. really a Joss Whedon alien movie. Uh, okay. So, you know, take that however you will. It's got its, mm-hmm. it's got its ups, but it's also got its downs. Uh, you know, the <laughs> characters are schmarmy and humorous, but not really deep, but you're rooting for them yep. more than anybody in this movie. Um, how to convince you that this movie is? I'm looking, flipping through my notes here. Uh, if the, <laughs> I mean, there's that, there's got to be some good stuff, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, okay, let's. How about the? How about the? Mm, uh, well, you know, it's just difficult. <laughs> you know, the, I think it's because it has moments, but those okay. moments just do not cohesive. I think there's some great shots. I think that mm-hmm. the the work to show people's faces does a lot of heavy lifting. Um, you know, there are a lot of close ups on people and with the, yeah. ca- and I think that's one of the reasons that we can emphasize the cast is while we're not rooting for any of them, yeah. th- none of them seem out of place. And maybe that's why it's hard to root for them. You're right. It completely makes you like, I don't care about any of these guys. And it takes away the tension of the, like are. Th- are they have they turned good with this religion thing, or are they still the same criminals that they were before? It just takes throws all that out the window, and then you're like, I don't give a fuck about any of these guys. Well, there's also like they they made their bed, they they you know now and now they get to get eaten by a xenomorph. This is a similar so we'll problem a to to mimic. There is no discernible villain. There is a creature yeah. that is going off of instinct that is bad, mm-hmm. but. It's right. difficult to project uh, malicious intent onto mm-hmm. those kind of. It's an animal. It's just doing what it's doing. You know, we. Mm-hmm. You think about the. I don't. Not to get too far <laughs> off the beam, but you think about the gorilla with a kid in the enclosure. Right. It's right. a gorilla, and so having shot it, nobody's. A lot of people, and uh, uh-huh. Jane Goodall included, said. It's a bummer. It didn't seem like the monkey, the ape was malicious, but it's a child versus an animal. So you shoot yeah. the animal because it's an animal and we all feel bummed yeah. about it because, and the gorilla didn't have this malicious intent. Like I'm going to beat the shit out of this child because I have, <laughs> I am evil. He just, and I'm stuck in this cage yeah. and I'm getting my revenge. Was, no, you're right. He's going to play instinct. with the kid because that's how you play with baby monkeys. He just doesn't understand that. Did you see the video? Did you see the video? I did not. I don't like to watch those. I mean, he was dragging that kid pretty hard. <laughs> it did not look like, it was not like a fun, like play thing. It Defenders was, it, of was, the video say that, oh, that's how monkeys play. So I just didn't go and feel the need to well, go it's watch this it. thing of, it's, it's, it's animal. You're right though. It's animal instinct. And so, yeah, the Xenomorphs—they're only—they only are a good antagonist if you build up suspense around them, and there's no suspense around them. Like they like there's that wonderful scene. I think it's an alien. It might be an aliens. I, I've seen clips of it. It's like a one shot of Ripley going walking down this tunnel with a flamethrower, and she's like she knows that the alien is somewhere in the tunnel, and she's. We're with her the whole way, like 
like looking down and and you know there's blasts of steam coming out of the tunnel and it's super suspenseful that's where it becomes a cool suspenseful thing but you're right even in alien the xenomorph really isn't the the antagonist it's really the the android well it's always it's He's always the, the company in some form and in mm-hmm. this one the company yeah. shows up at the end and at that point we don't care because the prisoners and Ripley took care of it. And so it needs that. It's the, and there's a great line in aliens where Ripley points out, uh, at the twist that, you know, the aliens are not the bad guy. You don't see the aliens fucking each other over. Right. The way you do see the humans in every, every time in every movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the Guillermo del Toro thing of, it's humane monsters and monstrous humans. Although the I wouldn't call the alien a humane monster, but it, you're right. It's work. It's basically being off instinct. It's what the humans do in reaction to it that make it interesting. Yeah, the alien works really similar, and I think this is one thing that this movie does well in the sci-fi genre. Technology is actively neutered in this space, and it's really mm-hmm. people versus alien. The alien is setting up the environment so that we can see the characters react. The problem is is that the characters continue to just be... that Nobody develops because of it, with the exception, I think, of Ridley, because she comes to mm. accept that she's going to have to die, that she's been... She can't escape these <laughs> stupid things, so why not take one out with her in the end? Yeah, and apparently it was a queen, which didn't really come across. But apparently it was. Totally a queen. It was like another queen. Yeah, and I think that's why, because like the gestation period is way too long for an alien. We know how long the gestation period is for an alien, and it was like in her body for like days. It was like, like for a full week at least. I don't know. Um, Yeah, there's... This movie's got a lot of problems. I mean, it's got it's pacing problems as well. It takes 25 minutes to cremate the dead. <laughs> 25 minutes. It's almost a quarter of the movie before the they cremate the the dead people in the space shuttle. It takes a full hour before Ridley tells them about the aliens, which doesn't add any suspense because we know about the aliens. This is the third alien movie. It's not like we don't know what the aliens are. So, like, this whole, like, cat and mouse thing of will she or won't she tell them what the aliens are. I'm like, I don't care. I know what the aliens are. I don't know why she's not telling them. Um, especially the doctor, because it seems like he's on to that there's something bigger here so she could tell him. And well, she can tell them and she they can ignore her. That works as a story yeah. device. Because then she's done her part. It works part. great as a story device. It works great as a story device, which actually happens. She tells the the superintendent, he's like, that's a good story. Yeah, they could have done it. Gets eaten. They could have gotten rid of it sooner, and then she doesn't yeah. look weird. Yeah, exactly. Then that, then that would have validated her in front of all the people, and then all of a sudden she could become the leader. But she never really became the leader. She was like a reluctant leader and... Uh, yeah, it's just the characters in this. It was so hard to to root for anybody because it it was so hopeless. They didn't really develop anybody. The pacing was weird, and I don't. I, one person on the forum called it a mess, and it is. Man, this movie's a mess. Uh, and I don't know how. Much, like I said, it's hard to pin all of that on David Fincher, and it's probably a great thing that he went through this because he, his catalog after this movie is so strong. Uh. 
that this is this was his chance to learn about the studio system and it's just kind of a bummer that it was on such a such a giantly you know visible film this was a, supposed to be a summer blockbuster i cannot imagine going to the movies in june to watch alien 3 and watching this movie i'd be like what what happened uh i mean at least episode one has pod racing in it and what? everybody oh. loves pod racing <laughs> that you're talking alien episode one <laughs> Why did they go to the episode system to name these? <laughs> oh, man. Alien, uh, yeah, episode one is a fun thing to talk about for me. That's your new reference point? <laughs> At least episode well, no, one I think had that, pod racing. Well, that's the thing. Is I don't want to get the, to the whole thing, but to me, of the original trilogy, episode one is the best movie. If for any reason at all, it's the one that is most fun to talk about. Like, the other ones are just, there's nothing happens, there's nothing fun to talk about. Episode 1 has so much to talk about that we're still talking about it years later. And I think, just based on that fact alone, it's the best of the original trilogy. Because all three of those movies are pretty lame. Anyway. This is well, this is Eric's opinion hour, by the way. <laughs> so please go well, on the forums the, and start the, spewing hate. <laughs> that's the pro- I, I think we had this problem with mimic too. Yeah, you can we can turn you know we can stir the pot a couple times in the movie, but at some point it's yeah it's not fun to bash on it. So we do we do Eric's opinion hour and pull in some <laughs> random movies to. Oh, I have a good question for you. This is good, and I agree with this. Davy Mac on the forum said one of the only interesting things about this movie was that. Or was it Davy Mac? It was somebody on the forums. Oh, it was uh, it was Ant Man B. He said uh, one cool thing to take away from Alien Three's Alien was how it came out of a dog. So by nature, it takes on some of the dog's physical traits. I did think that was cool. I will give them that. <laughs> well, this is the first time that they introduce into the Alien canon the notion that the creature is affected by your dna which they bring full circle with prometheus right uh but as a viewer it was it was one of the few advances to the to the to that mythology yeah which was kind of cool and so then we see him as predators right avp um and i'm sure because there were comics and Oh, like you're right. There Batman is Batman versus aliens or something. Yeah, and there's an alien that butt burst out of a predator. Yeah, is at it, the end of it, AVP. Is that at the end of AVP? I thought yep. it was a, that was an AVP two. Which hey, I'll let you know. IMDbis is IMD IMDb <laughs> says people who also like this who people who like this also liked Aliens versus Predator, Predator <laughs> two, Predator. <laughs> Yeah, Aliens, Alien, and Alien Resurrection. Well, the Alien... So, for me, the movies I've seen in the Alien uh, franchise are Alien. Alien 3 now, finally. Uh, <laughs> AVP, I saw that because you and I saw it on the, on, at midnight on the night that it opened in 2004. Oh, my God. That's Stayed so up late for that one. Yeah. <laughs> and Prometheus. So, those are the movies that I've seen in the franchise. So... Uh, I would I, go ahead and watch Aliens. I would take your time, but at some mm-hmm. point, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say about oh, Aliens yeah. Resurrection. Um, I actually haven't watched Aliens Resurrection in a very long time. I usually just watch Aliens. Mm-hmm. If I want an alien movie, that's the one I reach for 99% of the time. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
gosh, such a mess. So, Levi, talk me off the ledge here at least, because you're obviously <laughs> a big Alien fan. You love the franchise. So what what is it about Alien and the Alien franchise and the mythos that you enjoy so much? It is this... It's the fact that it's kept Ripley, especially for the first four. The it's this really cool reoccurring fight. It's the hmm. Peter from Family Guy fighting that damn chicken, and the fact that it just reoccurs and it's humorous in its <laughs> repetition, uh-huh. uh, at least for a while. Yeah. Um. I didn't. I don't know. It's just, and especially, what's really enjoyable is watching how Ripley evolves as a character. In the first one, she's scared. I mean, she's the, she, she's the typical f- slasher chick. Uh-huh. And then in the second one, she's with these Marines and kind of building up some, uh, building up some balls. And then in the third one, it's she's taking command of these prisoners and just trying to survive and (laughs) even though it's like she just can't uh and i enjoy up to this point in the movie series i enjoy that notion that three times and it's just too much she cannot survive them i think that any version of the script i think they all should have ended similar to this with her with an alien and her basically ending it to stop the alien as like as a last resort is there something in the future where she becomes like an alien human hybrid yeah so in the fourth one and this uh-huh. is kudos to whoever continued the evolution of ripley she is at that point does not gives no fucks whatsoever she right. is content she she's gonna save herself and if some other people are following her that's cool but she doesn't care too much she just wants to destroy the alien and get out alive and those are her only priorities and she her attitude is solid solid Sigourney (laughs) Weaver just this deadpan well you're gonna just probably die and then she just walks off just could not care and so it's it's fun to follow those stories and like I said the fact that they're really loosely associated because the time Mm. period between them is so spread out the characters Mm -hmm. always reset I enjoy that the same way that I think the Mad Max movies could continue and you can just like James Bond, you can just continue to replace that character. Mm. But there are some central themes that will always be interesting. I would love to see the alien franchise to reboot and not necessarily expand the mythology as hard as Prometheus worked, Yeah, but to continue to use some of the tropes to make good horror movies with a little bit of humor in them, a, a good sense of gore and kind of a far out sci-fi aesthetic that some like the Marvel sci-fi elements can't get, they can't go quite that dark. Um, hmm. But so to see that experimentation in the sci-fi realm, because at this point, the alien is as good as a zombie, as far as as zombies. Oh yeah, because it it is a, it's zombies the a same zombie. thing. They yeah. set up the environment, mm-hmm. and then we watch people react. So, I yeah. would love to see them bring in another gal or a guy, and to just kind of run, you know, another run the gamut. Yeah. Well, the future of the Alien franchise, we've got uh, Prometheus two, which is coming out soon, I believe. I think it's coming out next year or something. 
It's um, soon. I keep hearing about it. Yeah, you got Prometheus 2, which is directed by Ridley Scott. Um, and then Alien Covenant. So... Sure oh no! An, that sorry. sounds like a sci-fi channel. No, movie. Alien Covenant is the Prometheus sequel that's directed by Ridley Scott, and that's going to be released next year, August fourth, twenty seventeen. Oh, and they're actually bringing back Fassbender and Rapace. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yep. Good. I thought that was. I didn't think Rapace was going to be in the next. Is it Rapace? Yes, Numi Rapace. Oh man. Yeah. No. She I, is a. Fa- if we did actors. <laughs> And just their series of work. I'd love to just go through her. Well, and there's a there's a tie there because she played the girl with the dragon tattoo in the Swedish version. So yep. oh, and we we're gonna to, see we're gonna see the, Fincher's version of that's dragon. right. Yeah. Um, and then pro tip: watch the Swedish version. <laughs> I don't. Know, I like the I like the uh, American version. I'll have to watch fine. it again, but I I just think by contrast. <laughs> Yeah, you will have to watch it again. That's the podcast, dude. <laughs> uh, and then Neil Blomkamp apparently has an alien project that's a sequel to Aliens, starring Sigourney Weaver. So Yeah, we'll see if that makes it to the light of day. I'm not convinced. Yeah, I think that with Chappie, he kind of... <laughs> I don't know. I well, don't know about least, that Neil he's Blomkamp been, guy. He's been, unfortunately, just... He's never quite held up to his first i know district nine was so good that movie is so good uh i agree i agree um but i think that that one is supposed to really feature the um the young girl what was her name newt newt i think that that one's supposed to feature newt so that i think that's the type of kind of reboot-esque type thing that you're talking about is if you had a movie with newt where you retconned three and four, and it was a movie with her as an adult. I don't know. Just throw really... in some time travel, man. Who yeah. cares? Definitely turns that dull. Uh-huh. Uh, also, how is Danny McBride on. attached to the next Prometheus? Oh, he's in it, man. That's crazy. No, what? Oh, come on. I don't ever <laughs> question casting choices until you see the movie. There was one guy who proved that law. His name is Heath Ledger. And after that, I do not question casting choices, especially by great directors. And Ridley Scott is a great director. All right. All right. That's called called Heath Ledger's... That's called Ledger's Law. (laughs) That's a good... That's that's actually a really solid name for it. Because when when they they said Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker, everybody was like, oh, what? That's going to be awful. And then it turned out to be one of the greatest performances of all time. So... Anyway, so we've established Ledger's Law. We've gone through Eric's Opinion Hour. Uh, <laughs> Alien 3, hard to pick out what was Fincher, so... Hard to love. It's a hard-to-love movie. And so God love you, the people who love this movie. You you are the true heroes of cinema um, because you keep the flame alive for movies. I, I've lost the train of thought. I think it's about time to... Hang up the cleats on this episode, but next week, guys, I'm very excited because next, you know, we get this one out of the way first. Yeah. We, we get a rough serve on the first set, but then we get to come, boom, right back next week with Seven, which is interesting because Jim and A-Rod just did a podcast about Seven. So uh, you can listen to our podcast, podcast you can listen to their showdown. podcast right now, it's on Bald Movies, and uh, and you'll see, yeah, we'll have a podcast showdown. 
Uh, so you can see uh, who's you like better. We also are on the forums, forums.baldmove.com. Go there, discuss the films. Um, there's a lot of great content, a lot of great people, and a lot of great conversation on uh, forums.baldmove.com. And, and you can also email us directly at directpodcast at gmail.com. So please keep in touch, stay in touch, stay safe, and we'll see you next week for 7. Until then, I'm Eric. I'm Levi. Cuts.